It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Bada ba ba ba. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sunbelt these days. Welcome back to another episode of Fun Belt Podcast. My name is Jeremy Harper. I'm with HowRazor.com. Joining me tonight, good old uh, Shane Metlin from, <laughs> from the, uh, uh, where, where are you from again? The Daily News Record. <laughs> the powerful East Coast paper, the Daily News Record. It doesn't get any better, by the way, Shane. I know. <laughs> with, a, with a billion readership, by far, the, some of the highest advertising revenue in all of the <laughs> newspaper community. Don't get me started on that. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> also joining me, Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report. Thibodeau is riding high on his team's one-point victory over the Boobcats. I, I'm not sure. If we'll be able to get a word in edgewise when we talk about the Warhawks, but congratulations, Tibbs. Yeah, you guys actually saved my betting week. You almost. <laughs> so what do you think that the Texas State Bobcat fans are doing right now? Do you think right now they're they're they've encircled uh Jake Spavital's office and are waving signs and pitchforks and torches and calling for his ouster? Or are they all real just chill and be like, ah, you know, basketball season's coming up? Look, everybody loves Spav in, in yeah. San Marcos. So, so it's not a personality. It's definitely a business of X's and O's, wins and losses. They're not eliminated yet. They're sitting at six losses. But uh, this week, it, uh, it it could signal the end there if, if – the Boobcats boob it up again, you know. I mean, 21 nothing lead over ULM, four takeaways from the Warhawks, and you still lose. And what's even worse is they were in position to get the win at the end of the game and just missed the field goal. Missed a 40-yard field goal. Yeah, you got to make that. You know, uh, and that's like the third straight loss they've had. That was less than a score, like a, like, like a one-score game. And they've lost three straight that way. That is that is a miserable way to lose. But speaking of losing three st- straight tibs, what's going on with James Madison now? What's happened? Ever since beating my Red Wolves, James Madison has endured three losses. They've lost their top 25 designation in the AP poll. And they lost their top standing in the Sunbelt East. Metlin, what is happening to my James Madison Dukes? The one that's hard to figure out is the defensive breakdown at Georgia Southern mm-hmm. that started this that started this three-game losing streak because the defense has played pretty darn well outside of that. Uh, you know, the offense, it's really just been, you know, quarterback and offensive line gets banged up and they don't move the ball the way they used to. They become one-dimensional, and um, and teams figure that out in the second half. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Georgia Southern loss, not that they lost to Georgia Southern, but that they gave up a record amount of yards. That's the one that's a little harder to figure out because outside of that, the defense hasn't been an issue. Is Todd Santeo hurt? Yes. Despite the fact that um, Kurt Signetti – when asked Saturday night said he was fine. He Mm -hmm. obviously was not the same guy. Uh, He was 
you know, talking to teammates and pointing and rubbing his shoulder before the game started. Um, he couldn't throw the ball. Like, you know, they didn't even really try to throw the ball. They only had 15 pass attempts. Um, yeah, I was, I was watching that game, and I was begging him to throw the ball. Because as good as the running game is, is at James Madison, you can't be one-dimensional, right? And, and Louisville figured that out. I mean, after that first half, Louisville was like, okay, if we can just stack the box, we don't have to worry about James Madison passing game. Here's what Signetti said after the game, which I love Coach Signetti. <laughs> he, he, just, he just smokes invisible cigarettes of disdain. So here's what he said. They played big, ball, big boy ball on us in the second half. We're not used to not being able to match up like that, but that's where it's at. That's a part of making this move. And what he means by this move is the move to uh, FBS. Takes a little time to build the quality depth. People don't like to hear that. I don't give a shit. That's the freaking truth. <laughs> but you mentioned asking Signetti uh, if he was hurt. Have you ever seen a coach just come out and say, yeah, he, he really shouldn't be out there? Well, no, but they'll say if he's not playing as well, if that's the reason. Um, and, you know, I think not that it's a secret. I mean, you could see Louisville was trying to hit him on the shoulder. It wasn't a secret, but I think you probably don't want to just invite teams to go after what they know is an issue. Um, but he, he admitted it after the app state game, when he heard it, that he told us that he'd heard it during that game and he played through it. Um, so, you know, I, how they've handled talking about injuries this year, I really don't quite understand because, you know, sometimes they're pretty forthcoming and sometimes they're not. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe that's part of the FBS too. You feel like you have to, to keep that information close to the vest because a lot more people pay attention now. So I don't know, but I, I will say this, that, that, that was a tough game to watch in the second half uh, simply because, Hey, I'm just going to admit it. I put some money on JNU because I believed in those guys. I was like, there is no way Louisville beats these guys. I told you. But, you did. You told me. Awesome. You know, or, but here's something, too, that, that kind of strikes me about the wet or about the uh, Sunbelt East that just sort of came suddenly that I, I didn't expect it to end in this way. Although I guess there's still some wacky things that can happen. Coastal beating Appalachian State. That pretty much closes the door on the East, am I right? I mean, I know statistically, te technically, there are ways for Coastal Carolina to fall to some teams, uh, Georgia State being one of them. But pretty much Coastal has this locked up, right, Tibbs? Yeah, it's, it's, it's theirs to lose. And I, I don't see them necessarily blowing everyone out the rest of the way, but I don't see anybody that can circle that game and say, there's a win. It's, it, yeah. it's like they play rope-a-dope. It's like they, they come out to an early lead, and then they just sort of like kind of poke you as the other team chips away at that lead. And then like in the fourth quarter, some sort of defensive kick to the teeth uh, it seals the victory. Metlin, am I, is, this, is this really how Coastal Carolina is going to win the championship by coming away with these kind of one-score victories? I think so. And, you know, keep in mind, too, that probably the team that has the best chance of actually catching them is JMU if they get healthy. If JMU wins out, they'll catch them, but then Coastal still goes to the championship game. So, yeah, yeah I, th I think Coastal in the East is a pretty safe bet at this point. So if, if James Madison, quote unquote, wins the East, though, do you penalize Coastal Carolina and the West gets to host? The championship game again? I don't know for sure how they decide to do that, but I mean, if Troy wins out too, then I think Troy would host anyway. So they could probably save everybody a lot of trouble by just uh, let Troy take care of business. Yeah, because I don't want to see any fist fights in the street. Uh, oh, I, I love anarchy. <laughs> what do you guys think about Georgia State? They came in, they lost four straight to start the season. Now they've come late to the party. The, 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 the beer is, is burping foam right now. There's nothing left but a veggie tray on the kitchen counter. And suddenly they're winning games. 
Why does it take them so long to become relevant? I, I feel like I say this every week is like, when are their fans going to get tired of like not getting the season in September or wait until October to actually start the season? But, uh, you know, I mean, part of it is they play a tough schedule yeah. every year, a tough non-conference schedule, but then they don't show up to play against Charlotte. Who gets their whose coach gets fired because the only team they can beat is Georgia State? Like it's it's pretty insane. And then they yeah. beat a good Georgia Southern team. Mm-hmm. They beat a good ODU team. They go on the road to beat Southern Miss pretty soundly. I still can't figure them out, but I'll tell you this: the Warhawks come to town this week. Warhawks haven't won in three years on the road. What Georgia State team are they going to play? <laughs> Well, you better be ready to stop the run. They put up 388 yards on that pretty tough Southern Miss front line. I, th- that's that's pretty good. You, you kind of have to wonder where was all that at the beginning of the year. It just seems to me that there's just, I don't know, like the team's just not prepared until the end of the year. But, you know, here's, here's something that really impressed me about the West Tibbs. What did you think about, about those comeback behind victories from Troy? and from South Alabama last week. The Raging Cajuns lost, but no one was there to see it. Did it really count? <laughs> Everybody's at the LSU game, right? Uh, apparently. <laughs> uh, it was very disappointing to see that turnout there for the Cajuns, knowing that they're a four-win team right now, yep. two away from bowl eligibility once again, and had Troy on the ropes. I think that that was a karma game, though, for the Trojans, able to re- kind of recoup or get one back, so to say, from that App State loss that they had earlier this year. Mm, penetrating analysis. But South Alabama, too, was one that I believe Georgia Southern put 21 points in the first quarter on that stout South Bama team run by the governor, your favorite, your favorite coach, Coach Kane Womack. And South Alabama didn't blink. You know, I thought, you know, there was no packing it in and saying, all right, well, these guys have too much offense for us. They came back with a game plan the second half and took care of business. It said to me that South Alabama and Troy, these two, these two teams, not only are they worthy of winning the Sun Belt, which either uh, the Sun Belt West, whichever one of them wins will be fine. They very well could win the Sun Belt outright. I think it's Troy's to lose still, especially having that head-to-head against South Alabama. Yeah. You know, I, I think we'll see a little bit more of Troy this week as they host the final game against <laughs> Army this upcoming week. Sunbelt looking to go 3-1 and one against the, the West Point Academy there. I don't know if we really see that much, though, to, to really know how these last few games are going to shake out for Troy, you know, with that being a non-conference game. But that Texas State, South Alabama, that one has a huge upset feel for me because because we thought Texas State was desperate backs against the wall before. This is it. You're, you're either seven losses or you're still at six and fighting for another week. Yeah, I suspect the Spavadol tosses the entire kitchen at South Alabama. I just don't know. After seeing South Alabama come back uh, from being down, what, 21-7, to Georgia Southern in the first quarter. I, I just don't see them getting spooked by Texas State, but we'll see, you know, because you never know what Texas State's going to pull out. Uh, they're quite capable of scoring points, just like anyone else. They just can't seem to close out, which is crazy. But let's let's shift, guys, let's shift a little bit. Let's shift away. Pivot. Yeah, 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 let's pivot away from football. And let's talk a little bit about hoops. Sunbell hoops open up. Monday night with 14 games, Sunbelt went 11 and three, which doesn't say too much. There was a lot of D2, D3 teams out there. There was a lot of blowouts. I think we had two teams, your your ULM Warhawks and maybe Texas State that played uh, what I would call power five teams. Kind Kind of an upset there with Marshall and Queens. You guys you said that Queens is pretty good. I've never heard of Queens. I kind of consider it an upset. Shane, let's let's go with you on this. Just on a broad spectrum, your JMU kind of blew out your opponent pretty well in a, in a record fashion. 
how did you see the opening night of Sunbelt basketball? Uh, sort of uneventful because, like you said, I think there was only, what, three D1 versus D1 games. And uh, we, we just didn't learn a whole lot about, I think, a lot of these teams. A little disappointing for Marshall. I think a little disappointing for Texas State that they didn't compete a little bit better against, you know, I wouldn't a power five program, like you said, but I wouldn't expect big things out of Washington state this year necessarily. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, a little disappointing, I think probably in the division one matchups, but I think we also didn't really get a chance to learn too much about the teams that I would expect to be in contention for the Sunbelt title. So looking forward to the next few weeks, I think to kind of, really figure out what's going on in basketball. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Uh, we were having this, I was having a conversation with my dark emotions board today about the, the state of Sunbelt basketball. And so many people are aggravated with, with how the uh, uh, non-conference games are scheduled and, and some of the quality of the teams that come through. And I, I get it. You want to see great teams, not only that you play them on their turf, but they come to your turf. You just want those great matchups. The Sunbelt just does not have the net to bring people in like that. And I don't know how to, to make that better, but I do know that ULM Warhawks went up against, uh, uh, who did you guys go up against, uh, Tibbs? Texas A&M. Yeah, Texas A&M. That's right. It was something like a 30-point loss, right? Uh, yes, 33 points. Yeah, so but you right <laughs> I I noticed that you were watching the game on Twitter. What did you think? Metzcavilli hasn't missed a beat. Warhawks <laughs> got some uh, I work hate to that do guy. to uh, kind of get together, gelled up. Also, A and M, I think, is going to be a better team than most people think in the SEC standings. But ULM gets to rebound with a Thursday night game against Dallas Christian should pick up the win and move to 500 on the season. So Shane, your guys went up against Valley Forge and you guys were like smallpox. You came in and just totally decimated them by something like 120 points. And I know that must have felt pretty good, but did you think you got anything out of that? Um, not really. It was... Uh, to uh, put it on the record, it was 85-point victory for JMU. It was a – yeah. I mean, what you saw was Noah Friedel transfer there really excited about, shot the ball really well. And I think, like, you know, he didn't even touch the rim on his shots. Like, they were so perfect. That's probably, like, one thing you can take away from it is, you know, if he shoots like that, it probably doesn't matter who they're playing. He's going to be doing pretty well. Other than that, like Shane, Shane, did I read that box score right? Though it it, it seemed like nobody scored more than twenty points. Is that right? Right. Fridell (laughs) had Fridell had seventeen points in eleven minutes. Their the walk ons shot like led them in field goal attempts. Like it was that kind of a game. That's pretty crazy. My Arkansas State Red Wolves. uh, They hosted Harding, which is a small. Christian school in central Arkansas that they, they have a curfew at Harding. They're not allowed to be up past, I think like 11 o'clock at night. So I was a little worried that they weren't going to get home by curfew, but, uh, and Arkansas, this is, this is how things work at Arkansas state guys. We were down like something like 17 to five. to Harding at one point. And it was hard. It was, it was a lot of gnashing of teeth. Then I think Arkansas State ended up closing it out 66 to 18 and, uh, you know, found whatever rhythm they needed to find and, and, and won by 30. But, uh, yeah, you don't learn a lot of things. But, damn, if you you can see, I don't know, just like, just like Tibbs saw some stuff in, in the veterans that came back and maybe you saw some stuff the way, the way your, uh, your superstar had, had, had shot so well. I mean, there's things you can see. But then there's also things you can see that kind of worry you, like maybe a slow start or maybe a guy getting pushed around on the inside that you thought wasn't going to get pushed around. So, it, you know, I think there's some value into, into the first night of the, of the, of the uh, season. But, yeah, it would have been nice to, to see some more 
competitive games. And before we move on from that, guys, I wanted to ask your opinion on the new Sunbelt Mac showdown. What do you think? Well, I think it kind of goes into what we're talking about is getting those more competitive games. I asked Byington about it after the JMU game, and he's like, it's great. It takes takes two games out of my hands of trying to schedule where, you know, he obviously couldn't fill the opening night with a, you know, meaningful opponent. And now that's two games against what should be evenly matched teams that we'll see one in November and one in February. And it should help the league overall, I think. Yeah, I think more peer conference games is, is, is great for Sunbelt. So, Tibbs, what do you think? The, was the MAC the right place to go? I know I, I in my heart, I kind of wanted to see like CUSA because it, it, I think uh, Metlin made a comment to me about how maybe there's just not enough competition with with CUSA. There's not enough teams. Uh, but but I, I just kind of hate those guys. I don't hate the MAC, but I'm, I maybe I can grow to hate the MAC. I like the Mac. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a little Mac in our lives. I uh, I think some of the bigger mid majors would have been maybe a better fit. Something like the Summit, okay, Ohio Valley, or one of yeah. those to try yeah. to get the more regionalized uh, mid major matchups. But the Mac's fine. I mean, they're they're peer conferences in football, so I'm sure there'll there'll be some. Uh, more games leading into that. We play Mac in, in several of the bowl games, so why not bring them over into the basketball arena as well? I know several Mac teams also travel south, knowing that the weather is much warmer in the south than <laughs> being up north. So there's some early Maction uh, on the baseball diamond as well. One other thing, though, about basketball, as much as there was whoopings left and right, we were close, but we did not break the single – game high scoring mark by South Alabama of 156 back in 1994. Yeah, I think we had a couple games that encroached on that. Am I right? I know that JMU did. It seemed like a App looked, State. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It looked like uh, the Cajuns were going to at one point against Centenary and that didn't quite they kind of took their foot off the gas, but yeah. Wow. So I don't know, maybe, maybe the Sun Belt uh, is finally finding some shooters. Hey, are we ready to get back on the South Alabama train? Are we ready to do that, Tibbs? Not happening. No, we're not going to do it. We're not going to fall for that shit again. So uh, speaking of, uh, well, actually this is a terrible segue, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Congratulations to ODU winning the, the uh, Sun Belt Conference uh, Soccer Championship. Power of the show once again, having head coach Angie <laughs> Hine on earlier this year. She, she downplayed the strength of her team and, and gave us a bunch of coach talk. Woe is us. We're, we're not going to be good. We hope we have enough players to, to field a competitive team and, and everything else that she said. We're so inexperienced. Oops. We're going to die. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, 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 think, I think we listened to it then, but we were all kind of whispering in the back of our heads, bullshit, you're going to win. Well, did, did they <laughs> sandbag right. it in the regular season? Did they sandbag yeah, it? I mean, they, they, they did not dominate. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, they did not dominate the, the, the season. They struggled. I mean, I know Arkansas State beat them at, in, at ODU. So it was, it was like not like they were just dominating the uh, Sun Belt. But then, man, they came to the tournament. And they took care of some business. So congratulations to the Monarchs. Like, who, who did they beat? Didn't they beat another newbie? James Madison. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, Jimmy Madison. Well, and, and what was interesting about that game, ODU shot out to a 2 nothing lead and was yeah. just kind of coasting, leading into the, the break there. And then next thing I know, I think it was, what, 4-4 four, four in, into regulation. Yes, 3-3. Yeah. I, I was watching some of it as we drove back from Louisville. And it was, it was interesting. Like JMU was scoring on PKs, ODU. There was a couple times where there was like collisions in front of the goal. And like the ODU person just stood up first and was able to tap it in. And it was, it was kind of wild for considering that JMU had had a whole bunch of one, nothing games all year long. Uh, it was pretty wild to see that many goals scored in weird, weird fashions. Yeah, because wasn't the thing that nobody scores on JMU? And it's 3-3? Yeah. Like 13 shutouts this year. 
That yeah, that was like a softball game or something. Oh my god, it was. But you know, congratulations to JMU too. They the two teams new to the Sun Belt. Yeah. They came in. They had great showings. Well done. How about the men? Have the men completed their tournament yet? Nope, still going on. Okay, who's in? Who's still in? Well, JMU upset number two seed and fifth ranked nationally Marshall on their field mm. uh, in the first round. So um, JMU plays Georgia State tomorrow, I believe. Or maybe that was today. I might actually check. check. All right. I'm not right. up to date on it. Kentucky, yeah, can... second-ranked second national Kentucky is still in it, too. I think it's going to be hard for anybody to beat them now that Marshall's out. Yeah, I believe it... Georgia State beat Marshall, too. So that's, yeah, that's all kinds of weird goings-on. I did enjoy seeing Kentucky won the regular season championship. And when they handed the guy the trophy, he just kind of looked at it like, whoa, what is this? I guess expecting it to say SEC or something on it. Um, <laughs> but it was just a great reaction to see that from the Kentucky guys. <laughs> a yeah, bunch of Germans in men's soccer who probably don't understand American college sports. <laughs> yeah, but I hope they prominently display that in the case along with their national basketball championships. Yeah, Sunbelt title. Let's do it. <laughs> Well, remember, they're a basketball school. They they make sure they let everybody know that. <laughs> no, no, let's not get into, let's not get jump into that in Bruglio. We don't want to have to have the fight between the football team and the basketball team with that. And let me ask you this before we move on to to prognosticating with second and short. Uh, how much whiskey did you have, Metlin, when you were in Louisville? Um, enough. <laughs> I've been thinking I didn't about overdo it, but I had had a couple of drinks on I've been uh, thinking Friday about evening. I've been thinking about it so hard. I dreamed about a whiskey menu that was so like uh, like it was there was it was so prolific and how much whiskey was on it. I could not make a choice. Was that it, how if, it was? It, if we get into conference realignment again here in the coming months, okay. I would like to see the Sun Belt do whatever it takes to get Louisville in this conference. That is an amazing city. <laughs> I, I would love to be going back there every year. Did you pick up any like, like good bottles? I didn't. Oh. I didn't. But I, I, I made notes of what I want to pick up. Most of it is kind of available most places. So I didn't really pick anything up and bring it back on the drive. But Did you spend the $90 on a glass of Pappy? Uh no, and the prices have gone up since they uh, posted that menu online. So <laughs> I, I did not spend that much. But um, whatever the whatever the bourbon equivalent of a sommelier is, um, the man yeah. the man at Jockey Silks in downtown um, Louisville was a tremendous help to us figuring out what we wanted to drink. It, it yeah, was you don't fantastic. Know. I'm giving I'm giving him a plug and hopefully they'll get some business because that man was a fantastic help for the newcomers in town. Oh my god, I'm afraid if I went to Louisville, the way I drink, I would just black out by eight o'clock every night because I I love my whiskey, but I can't say no. You know, I can't be like moderate. <laughs> I got to keep on drinking. So let me ask you this, Tibbs. You're a family man, so I know that you you you've, you've got. You know, bills to pay. You've got responsibilities. Would you put down a C note, a hundred dollar bill for a glass of Pappy? Uh, what's the special occasion? No, it's just it's available. It's 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 something you can drink. Like I said, what's the special occasion? <laughs> no special occasion. I mean, like it, I get like I gave you that option. Now I appear through your Zoom link, poof, and I've got a bottle of Pappy. A glass. And I'm like, son, if you want a restaurant pour of this, it's going to cost you a hundred bucks. Would you give me a hundred bucks? Not for a restaurant pour. Now, if we were hanging out around the house and you wanted to chip in on a bottle where, you know, we would be able to uh, fill up the cup. That's a different story. Metlin, what, what's your what's your position on that? I know we asked you if you did it. You kind of hemmed and hawed around it. Would you have I, paid the hundred bucks? I didn't go with the pappy. and. Part of that is, like I said, having such a good manager of Jockey Silks who helped us pick out 
reasonably priced alternatives, <laughs> I think is probably uh, probably the key there. What was the most you spent on a glass of whiskey uh, at, uh, on that trip? Not all your life, just on that trip. Thirty dollars. Okay, that's a. That, I think what you did was 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 budget friendly, but also a little bit adventurous. You said I, that's yeah. that's pretty expensive. So well done. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. All right, guys. We want to do a little second and short. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Well, let's get it ready. Let me pull out the data here and we'll talk. You know, we've got a lot of games. There are a lot of games this week in week 11. And, you know, I did my write-up about the games. And um, I it, it seemed to me like there were these premium games that mean a lot, like a lot of games are being played for bowl. Uh, for, for bowl, uh, we call it not recognition, bowl to qualify for a bowl. Eligibility. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. A lot of teams playing for bowl eligibility. And then there's just some a handful of teams that are just kind of playing for pride because, uh, you know, it's kind of the season's kind of over. That, that would be my Arkansas State, by the way. But uh, let's start with second and short. And let's get this going, guys. Are you ready? You know how it works. You know, I bring up the game, and then I ask one of you guys to sort of take lead. The other one's sort of backup. Usually Shane is more of the East guy, and, and Thibodeau is the West guy. So unless there's any, any qualms about the rules, I say we start now. Start up. Start. Right. Thursday, November 10th, first game. Another midweek showdown, and it's pretty good. Georgia Southern at Louisiana, 6.30 p.m. on ESPNU. You know, the Eagles are sitting on five wins. The Cajuns have four. So there's a little more incentive for the Cajuns to win. I think I'm going to shoot this over to you, uh, uh, Tibbs. What do you, does Louisiana do what it takes to win this game against a hot Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern? I think the Cajuns are still going to be reeling from that loss last week. I mean, they did everything that they could to fight off the Trojans and came up just short with Vital diving in there with just a handful of seconds left. I think this is, is really kind of their fork in the road. Do they fight on to get win number five? Or are they done? Woe is us. We can't win. No one's here to see us anyway. And Georgia Southern just rolls. I think that that's the, really the key question. And the outcomes of the game. I can't really pick and, and, and say it's going to be an Eagles or a Cajuns win. I, I think that they have to kind of sort that out based on kind of how last week went for them. Because I think Georgia Southern could do the same thing, that they played the nearly perfect game against South Alabama, had them on the ropes, and just let it slip away as well. You know, here's the kind of the difference, though, Tibbs, is that the Cajuns came in the season with all these expectations that they were just going to win the West again, right? Georgia Southern came into the season like, oh, well, it's a rebuilding year. Might not see a bunch of success. But here is Georgia Southern now playing for a, a, a bowl game bid. So there, there seems to be a lot of incentive here. What do you think, Metlin? Is, am I right on that? Is there, is, there, is there sort of a, even though the Georgia Southern lost, the expectations may not have sunk them in a way that have sunk the Cajuns? I think so. And I think, you know, Georgia Southern's also playing for establishing this new era of their program to some degree. Ooh. I mean, they're playing to go to a bowl game, but it's also kind of, you know, we're starting a new chapter of Georgia Southern football where we actually throw the ball now and we play differently. <laughs> and, you know, winning seven, eight, you know, nine games, however many this year, as opposed to just kind of limping into a six and six bowl game. I feel like that's a different thing, and that's something that they probably kind of have that motivation to, like, kind of to say we're for real. We're not just, you know, squeaking into something here. All right, I'm going to throw this out, and I don't care which one of you guys respond to it, but here's my thinking about this game. This game's on national TV. It's on ESPNU on uh, Thursday night. Not a lot of stuff will be going on. This is Clay Helton's time to sort of put together a little resume game because there's a lot of high-end 
college football op- or head coach openings out there right now. And I know that, you know, Helton's saying the right things. Oh, I'm here to stay. I'm here to build a program. But we've seen a lot of one-and-done coaches come through the Sun Belt. Could Clay Helton really just lay down the hammer on Louisiana in this game against the defending Sun Belt champions just to say, hey, guys, look, I'm still relevant here in the college football community. Why isn't people talking about me getting one of these high-profile jobs? I, I think that he's still got some time that people need to forget what happened hmm. in his past. I also don't think – I mean, yes, he he won at Nebraska, but what have you done for me lately at Georgia Southern? If he were somehow able to run the tables this year, and we're talking about Georgia Southern already being locked up to host the Sunbelt Conference Championship, I think that's a completely different conversation than where we're at right now in, in, in trying to come up with that, that content talk. Excellent analysis tips. Metlin, what do you think? I think, you know, even maybe as much as you're talking about him looking for another job, I think it could be just to say, hey, look, I turned this team around in one year. I'm not the only guy who's ever gotten fired at USC. Maybe it's them, not me. You know, <laughs> like to kind of say that on national TV, I, I think could be a little bit of a, a fun thing for Clay Helton to do this week. Saturday, November uh, 12th. We, we get the rest of our Sunbelt slate, and it's meaty. It's a lot of games, guys. I don't know if we're even going to have time to get to sleep a week on Saturday because there'll be so much to absorb. The, game, the, the, the festivities start ULM at Georgia State, which we talked a little bit about earlier, 12 p.m. on ESPN+. Georgia State, notorious slow starter. Coming in, coming in kind of hot with a tough run game. ULM coming off a, a pretty shocking win against Texas State. I, I think I'm going to throw this back to you, Tibbs. ULM, or do they have what it takes to keep that ball rolling? So, I mean, I think they, they still have the obstacle to overcome that they have not won on the road. So until you can show that you can win on the road, I'm not buying in and I'm going Georgia State to win the game. I think the spread was down to 13 and a half, 14 and a half points. Sounds yep. about right that the Panthers roll by about 10 points. Mm, yeah, you know, you are absolutely right on that Vegas spread. 13 and a half points for the Panthers. 13 and a half points for Georgia State, Metlin. What do you think? I kind of like ULM to cover that Ooh. and, you know, make this like a pretty good game at the end. You know, Tibbs talking about Winning on the road is kind of that next hurdle for for Terry Bowden to, to climb when you're when you're completely rebuilding a program that's been as down as them. And you know, as a Kansas alum, I've seen this progress. And that first road win is like the thing you really celebrate. And <laughs> Georgia State's kind of the place to do it in the Sun Belt, where you know they don't have a huge fan base that shows up strong for their home games necessarily and what they do have kind of turned the page to basketball to some degree at this point looking forward to they play georgia tech in their new basketball arena on saturday maybe that's where all the fans are going to be like i think it's a little bit of an opportunity to slip in there if you're ulm but on the other hand i like the way georgia state's playing recently to some degree so i think it's going to be a close one i think I think the 13 and a half point spread is pretty wide, but I kind of think Georgia State's going to pull one out late. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, Marcus Carroll and, and Darren Granger and the rest of that team, 388 yards rushing on Southern Miss. I uh, God, that's just that's just a freight train. If our, our good friend Ben was here, he, he would be tooting the engine right now. Toot, toot, because he, uh, that, that is just, that's the. I think that's the Georgia State that the nation expected to see early on. You know, when everybody was talking about how Georgia State was going to 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 do some upending in the East, that they were the dark horse, that they were the new new rising power in the Sun Belt. We're seeing what that was supposed to be now, and it, it's kind of too bad for the fans, which we know there's not like a ton of fans, but there's some fans. It, it's kind of bad for the Sun Belt in general. 
that uh, that they wait so long to, to get that train rolling. But uh, I think you're right. I think 12 or uh, 13 and a half points sounds good for the Panthers. Hey, here's a, a battle coming up next of two Sunbelt newbies. And they're both O for their last three. James Madison at Old Dominion, noon, ESPN+. Plus. We, we talked a little bit about James Madison's struggles uh, following that uh, that game with Louisville. The game where 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 Shane was busting the petty cash by by splurging on thirty dollar whiskeys against Old Dominion, who who ever since like for that brief time that they were atop the uh, Sun Belt East standings, they just haven't really pulled it together since. Metlin, what's gonna what are we gonna see in this game? Uh, both teams are just so beat up and injured and missing guys that are. There were key guys that are now out for the season. I do tend to think JMU is getting a little bit healthier. I don't know what to expect maybe from Todd Santeo. Um, but I think even if they kind of have to go back to running the ball like they tried to do against Louisville, they can do that a little more successfully against ODU than they did um, against a you know pretty solid ACC team. Um, we're looking at you know eight-point line JMU's favored. I kind of think that sounds about right for this one. Eight points. Would you, would you, Tibbs, with all of your knowledge of gambling, would you take those points? It's eight points for who? For James Madison? For James Madison. No, because I think Old Dominion wins it straight up. This is a home for them. I think that the Monarchs get the ship righted, roll on. Ricky, Ricky Ronnie with another win. I think Zach Koontz is back this week. Hayden Wolf, 300 yards. Home team wins. Don't be surprised that the crowd's pretty close to 50-50. Yeah. No. Aren't they, aren't they out? How much distance is between these two camps? It's about three hours, but a um, ton of JMU alumni in Richmond and Hampton Roads um, who bought up tickets from Virginia Tech fans who bought season tickets at the start of the season for that game. So... So yeah. Old Dominion, that that stadium's pretty small, right? It's pretty tight. It's pretty it's small, like yeah. Yeah. Um, there'll be enough JMU fans to make noise there on Saturday. I don't know if the home field advantage is going to be like a huge one, unless ODU is just making the noise with their play. Now, Shane, is, is this a rivalry? Is this a rivalry game? It is. It's it's interesting because. The fan bases hate each other, um, but they've only played twice in football because ODU has only had football for about a decade. <laughs> um, and so they've only played twice in football, but, you know, it goes back to the old CAA days and basketball. They hated each other. Women's basketball had really good programs in the 90s, early 2000s. Uh, even, even field hockey was like national championship relevant when they'd play. Um, so it's, it's a rivalry that's going to turn into a football rivalry starting Saturday. Very nice. Good reason to watch. All right. So speaking of watching, I I guess I'm going to watch this game because I am a citizen of Arkansas state. UMass comes all the way down from Massachusetts to visit Jonesboro and Arkansas state mass UMass, uh, an independent one win. They have that win against Stony Brook. Vegas says Red Wolves are a 17-point favorite, which, gosh, I haven't seen a number like that for the Red Wolves in quite some time. Tibbs, do you have any analysis for this game other than Arkansas State had better win it for the Sun Belt? Yeah, I mean, never better words than, than what you said right there. I, I think, though, you remember last year when it was UMass and Buffalo playing Coastal Carolina, and we were like, oh, well, they're pretty good. <laughs> they might be able to hang. UMass is terrible, and that's putting it as nicely as I can. If Arkansas State can't win this, you know, Butch Jones was involved in a high-speed crash this past weekend. <laughs> it, 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 that's that, that that's pretty indicative of how the season's going. If if they can't beat UMass, yeah. Go ahead, Shane. What do you think? 
why is UMass playing FBS football at this point? When I, you know, I they, don't know. I guess they the can't get to a conference. Good. Nobody cares about their football team. They're got a good spot in the Atlantic Ten in basketball. Like, why are they even playing? Why aren't they like Villanova at this point? I, they, yeah. If Arkansas State, like Tib said, if Arkansas State can't win this week, then the the car crash has extended beyond the uh, recruiting trip this weekend. <laughs> now, the, for for uh, the to, to in, the increased fortune to 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 uh, coach, uh, oh gosh, Butch Jones, is that you know they they're coming off that bye week. And Arkansas State was really dinged up. I know JMU's been, I mean, everybody's dinged up, right? Yeah. But Arkansas State, I think they've had 44 players start at some point. So it's been really just kind of crazy for Arkansas State. That being said, yes, they've got to win this game. And and, and, and it's not even like a, a matter of, well, they've got to, even if they keep it close, it's all right. They've got to blow out this team. This is like playing like a a a junior level FCS team. This is how bad UMass is. So yeah, so put your money on the Red Wolves. Seventeen seems like a lot of points. Honestly, I, I I feel like Butch Jones does whatever he can to to get those points and supersede those points because he's got enough hot air breathing on the back of his neck to where he's he's whined and complained about not having this bye week come up. He's got his bye week. His guys are healthy. Something better happen. Speaking of happening, who's the only Sunbelt team that couldn't be Army this year? You got, why, are you, why are you bringing all that up? <laughs> Army comes on a one-game win streak against the Sunbelt after having fallen to Coastal and Georgia State. They beat ULM, which is too bad. To, and they look great against ULM, uh, but they still not really. I think Army has three wins on the season. They come and visit Troy, 230, NFL Network, which is always kind of funny to me. I, I'm going to throw this over to you, Tibbs. You've seen Army firsthand. Does Army have a chance to beat Troy, who only gives up 113 yards on the ground per game? No chance, even though I think this is a pseudo home game for Army right there uh, with Fort Rucker being there in Ozark, Alabama. Uh-huh. Troy, though, big Air Force school with campuses on every Air Force base. Army, Air Force, Air Force flies high. <laughs> Air Force beat Army this year, too, so there's that. You got anything to add to that? Uh, Shane, is there any sort of penetrating analysis that you could probe a little deeper into this game and extrapolate some sort of useful nugget of information? Not really. I mean, I just kind of feel like if anything, if anything's in Army's favor is that Troy probably is more focused on the conference race than this mm -hmm. random non-conference game that just happens to pop up in November. Um, and given the Army brings a different kind of system. Maybe, maybe you don't spend as much time preparing for that as you would if this game really meant something for what Troy wants to do this year. I can absolutely see Troy looking ahead to the last two games and sort of pushing aside the Black Knights. Except, I do think that John Summerall just isn't that kind of guy. Yeah. So he seemed like a guy who would be like, hey, let's focus on this week's opponent. You know, the way they came back from the Cajuns uh, tells me everything I need to know about Troy. And that's Troy is just going to try to win the game no matter what the odds are. Speaking of odds, well, actually, there are no odds. Well, the, the, the odds are is that they're pretty much even. That's what Vegas says, that this team is a, this, this game is a pick -up. Appalachian State. At Marshall, 2.30 p.m., ESPN+. Plus. Guys, if it were like, a, I don't know, the end of week two, and I told you that it wouldn't be until week 11 that the Mountaineers and the Thundering Herd would be playing for bowl eligibility, you'd probably be ready to throw me off the podcast. But that's where we are. Both teams are five and five wins, have five wins. Shane, what do you think? 
they're not even playing for bowl eligibility yet, though, because they both have two FCS. Oh, oh my God. I didn't that's why. That's that. why so this is like maybe one of the most interesting games of the week to me is because they both really need this one because they both got to win two of three here. Wow. That totally slipped my mind, Shane. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, and, and that's because this game was already on the schedule before Marshall joined the Sun Belt. So they both ended up having the backfill with an extra FCS game. So instead of this possibly being the East Championship game, it's the, like, we really need this win for bowl eligibility game. <laughs> it isn't that crazy because there was a time where, and it wasn't that long ago, where after that, 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 that Marshall beat number eight Notre Dame and Appalachian State beat number six uh, 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 Texas A&M. We really thought that this game was going to determine this, not just the Sun Belt East, but maybe the Sun Belt in general. And now it's just like, hey, here's two teams that are really just playing for some dignity. Tibbs, what do you see from this game? Yeah, this this game this week is ugly. And... and <clears throat> If, 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 if it's a 3-2 game, I, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so you think it's all going to be defense? No, I just think it's that ugly of a game. Oh, man! <laughs> I, I think, after, I mean, I'm still on the App State train. I think Chase Bryce, Peoples, Nate Noel, and company, they're not doing bad. They're just not the App State that we were thinking that we were going to see. So... Damn it, McBride, I'm picking the Mountaineers to go to Huntington and get the win. You know, here's the thing about, about Appalachian State. I used to view them as the most um, perfect team defensively and offensively in the Sun Belt. They, they, they just seemed to do things in, in such a way that they made no mistakes. And now I see Bryce throwing a lot of interceptions. I see a lot of busted coverage on the defense. It just doesn't feel like the same team. Am I am I getting that right, Shane? I know, Shane, that you probably haven't been able to see Appalachian State play as much as we have. But are you surprised that Appalachian State is just not the team that it seems that, that was in the past? Yeah, I am to a degree. And, you know, they've had ups and downs and injuries they had we we're talking about how banged up everybody is now they've had injuries early in the season i think maybe kind of cost them some momentum early on but yeah i mean i look at this one and just you know marshall's been so good on defense lately i kind of feel like app state's gonna have trouble getting anything going in huntington this time i, I kind of like marshall in this one yeah you know marshall has looked good on defense and i tell you what that 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 labor or Layborn, that Kalen, Kalen, Colin maybe, Colin Layborn, that guy, he's for real. And he'll put up some numbers. So I, I don't know if Appalachian State even has that defense anymore to stop him. So you're picking Marshall. Tibbs is picking Appalachian State. I picked Appalachian State. But man, I don't feel confident about it. I, I just don't know. Speaking of confidence... I think maybe Texas State is losing some confidence in its leadership. You know, just check out these scores from Bobcats last three games, all of them losses. 17-14, 20-14, 31 These are less than a touchdown and an extra point losses. Three in a row. Uh, Tibbs, give us some clarity on this game. Texas State at South Alabama, 4 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Well, bless their hearts. Um, you know, the governor at home has, has been just amazing with that win. Uh, the lone home loss they have is to Troy. Texas State definitely not on the same level as Troy. I like the governor. I like Jalen Wayne to, to go off. Carter Bradley, another big game, and Texas State just gets put out of their misery. Yes, but you said earlier, and I kind of agreed with that a little bit, 
that Texas State will probably be throwing as much as they can into this game to save Jake Spavadol's job. Do you think that it's possible that the Texas State rises above, rise play or outkicks their own coverage and somehow finds a way to win this game? It wouldn't surprise me, not to say the least. But, you know, when, when you lose a game that you were up three scores, you have four takeaways, and you still can't win the game, there's not a whole lot more you can do. I want to read a, a tweet from Kelly Damphouse. He's the system president at Texas State. What he said following... The, the loss to ULM. Saturday began with such promise. A moving World War II era flyover at the national anthem, the beautiful weather, and a fast start on the field, including winning the toss and taking the ball. The ending was a bitter pill, leading to a sleepless night and a lot of soul-searching today. Metlin, what do you read into that? It's not good when, <laughs> when when the president of the school's tweeting stuff like that. As a as a football coach, I think you hope your president's hardly ever tweeting about your team, to be honest. And in that situation, you can't feel too comfortable about you know whether you're going to be occupying that same office in a few months if uh, if you're if you're reading that. Yeah, that, you know, yeah, that uh, uh, I know Damp House is newer than Spavadol. Spavadol is not, you know, his guy. I know it's not really up to Spavadol or up to uh, Damphouse to who gets hired, but it's, it's definitely something that he didn't weigh in on. So I read that as, as Spavadol done. That's how I read that. But uh, I don't know. You know, things change. You know, maybe a big win against South Alabama would be enough to say, hey, listen, we still we've got some pieces here that can that can move over to next year. All right. Last game, guys. Southern Miss at Coastal Carolina, 6.30 p.m. on ESPNU. You know, if this were if we had this game last week, it'd be a much bigger game because Southern Miss was coming in with that big win streak. I think they had three wins in a row. They're threatening to make some moves in the Sun Belt West. Coastal Carolina still maybe had you had some, some doubts as to whether or not they were going to seal the deal in the East. Now you come back next week, Southern Miss is kind of out of the picture. I mean, maybe I, 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 I have to look back at the standings, but I, I feel like maybe they're done. And the Coastal Carolina has more or less shut the door. It, it's on ESPNU, a national audience. Is this a game where uh, that has any implication other than the fact that Coastal Carolina is working against that top 25 poll? And I, I throw it to Metlin. I'm sorry. Okay. Um you know, I I feel like Coastal's sort of building towards something. And, you know, that we, we kind of talked early on about how they were winning, but they weren't impressive. And now they just keep winning. And I think they're, they're building towards what will be a really good season for them. But I just don't ever know what to expect from Southern Miss. I think they're done, and then they'll come out with a big win. I think, think they're bad because they – got blown out by somebody and then you know they come back i think they have no offense and they figure something out like it wouldn't shock me if you see a good performance from southern miss this week but i do also think that you know coastal's just figuring it out and sort of aiming to peak at the right time <laughs> yeah and coastal just sort of invites great performances from their opposing team i don't know i don't know what how how they do that i don't know how they're eight and one so, uh, Tibbs, do you think Southern Miss kind of rebounds from that really brutal loss to the, to the Panthers? Do you think they find a way to, to kind of collect themselves and go to Conway, South Carolina, and, and sort of redeem themselves? They'll definitely fly to Conway, South okay. Carolina. I think they'll even win the first quarter. Ooh. I think they'll win the first half. <laughs> But then that mysterious rabbit foot that is still and wherever Jamie Chadwell has put it shines and the shots once again pull off a lackluster win. 
I, I think it's funny that you mentioned the, the uh, Chanticleer luck because it felt like for a time that that, that luck went to Southern Miss with Southern Miss winning all those fourth quarter games. And it seemed like they had all that luck of the Irish. But quite frankly, Tips, I think it almost goes the opposite. I think Chanticleers, they jump out to that early one. And then they have like Southern Miss just chip and chip and chip away. And suddenly they're in they're in within uh, one touchdown of winning the game. And then somehow Chanticleers comes up with like a, a drop kick from the top turnbuckle and just stops uh, Southern Miss cold. That just seems to be the way the Chanticleers win games. I don't see them getting beat by the Golden Eagles. But damn, both these teams have had such luck of the Irish. And congratulations to Will Hall for having such a great season after after the program had been in, in pretty much in the dumps. He just sort of pulled them out. And now, you know, if they, they beat the Chants, they're bowl eligible guys. They're going to a bowl game. And that's not something that people really expected from Southern Miss. So congratulations to Will Hall for what he's done. And you know what that means? That is the end of second and short. Guys, we did it. We crossed the goal line. Woo! We won. It's touchdown. Yes. Spike the ball, Tibbs. Metlin, dump the Gatorade. We did it. I'm going to let the goal line. <laughs> you know, there was something, Shane, that you mentioned, too, about Georgia State and their yeah. basketball program. I had no idea that they had a new head coach this year. How is that possible that I don't know that? I don't know. You don't pay attention. <laughs> what happened to the old one? Uh, where'd he go? Smoot? Did he go to SMU? Huh. I, I don't know how I missed that. But yeah, I noticed that last night uh, in the Twitterverse. You know, they're talking about first first uh, year head coach gets his first win. I was like, what? Wait a second. I didn't know this. <laughs> so, I, okay. All right. So, so, okay. Congratulations for Georgia State. So, now I guess it's time for uh, Thibodeau's uh, uh, plugs, promos, and parting shots. And I think Thibodeau should go first. What you got, Tibbs? As we talked about memory lane last year, you know, we uh -huh. brought up earlier the games there that Coastal Carolina had won last year, and we were ho-hum about. If you remember on the high school ranks last year, the talk was Bishop Sycamore and their game against IMG. <laughs> the, the infamous Sycamoreans, or whatever their mascot is, lost 58 nothing, and it wasn't even that close against IMG. This year... IMG went international for their straight-up whooping money game as they played West Toronto Prep out of Canada. It was a close game until the kickoff. <laughs> At the end of the first quarter, it was 57-0 in favor of IMG. Yikes. The game was ultimately called when it was 96 to nothing at the half. God. That's a whooping, fellas. Yeah. You, you thought JMU put a whooping on Valley Forge. That was nothing. What? That was sweet nectar compared to, <laughs> to what you just described. Is that it? That's your that that's your parting thought? No promo? No plug? Yeah, I think that's enough. All right. All right. Shane, what you got? Um, well, if you're in Kentucky. Okay. And looking for mm -hmm. a very nice bourbon that doesn't cost $100 a glass, I recommend Mitcher's. Mitcher's mm -hmm. Distillery. That was my choice, and I do not regret it. Yeah, you know what? I've had a little bit of Mitcher's, and I do enjoy what they put together. I, 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 I recommended the Four Roses to you. Did you end up trying some Four Roses? The, the single barrel. I didn't try it on this trip because... Okay. Nice. I was looking for stuff I don't normally see in the uh, old ABC store here in Virginia. So, yeah, if you're in, yeah, if you're in Louisville, there's so many. It's like yeah. kind of like so many to, choices. Yeah, like I've been to Napa, Napa Valley a couple times. I enjoy my wine, 
And it's just fun to find these really small wineries and, and take in what they have. And you can find some just, just some absolutely stunning wines that nobody knows about. I imagine Louisville's that way with whiskey. That you can just find the just incredible whiskeys from small batch uh, distilleries and mm. it'd just be awesome to go to. And that's why I can't go, Shane, because <laughs> I, I would just like, I would be in jail. By nine o'clock, it would be me and Papa John sharing a jail cell. <laughs> uh, I can't do that to my family. Not again. <laughs> uh, all right. Is that your plug, parting shot, and promo? Yeah, that's it for me. All right. I, I, I don't really have a, a plug or a promo either, except, of course, check out howraiser.com. I can always use your hits. But I, I, I noticed that today, not only today was election day, guys, you know, election results coming in, but it was also uh, it was also another night for the college football playoff committee to do the right thing and put the Sun Belt in there, the strongest group of five conference in college football. And once again, they have neglected their duty. They have omitted the Sun Belt from their top 25 ranking. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It drives me crazy. Here we are, acknowledged at the beginning of the season as the strongest, and we cannot get anybody in. I think a Troy or a Coastal Carolina would merit some recognition. I know it, what, what matters is how the poll shapes at the end. And, and quite frankly, does it really matter if you're ranked, I don't know, number 20 or 15 or 23? Does it really matter in the scheme of things? Yes, it does for the group of five because you recruit off that thing. You recruit off that number that you, you got on the left side. So I know people are like, well, who cares what matters is only really the top eight. Screw that. I want, this, I want the committee to start paying attention and do their job and recognize the Sun Belt. And that's all I got, guys. That is my rant. I am finished. Edit that out, Dusty.